Welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And it's December. It's the holiday season. So that means we're both sick. No, I don't, I don't know. We're, we're <laughs> dealing, with, dealing with sinuses. Um, but we're doing... We've been talking about... We usually do about Christmas stuff or Christmas adjacent, but we've been talking about holiday horror this month. We, we, we're on a horror kick, it feels like. We did horror in October. But we're talking about holiday or Christmas horror... Um, and so we're in our last episode of this month, Thomas, and, or yeah, this month, Thomas. And so what have we discussed so far these past three episodes or the past three weeks? Well, we've, we've talked about how Christmas, like holiday horror plays on, on the tropes of what we already know about Christmas movies. Um, and, and so they take those kind the the settings that we're familiar with, the, the, the lights, the snow, the Christmas tree, the, uh, carol singers and mm-hmm. christmas carols and the soundtrack they take all these things that we know as being uplifting and nice and comfortable yeah. and warm and happy and then and then you you twist you twist on that yeah. and and you know that's always kind of been something within horror is is take taking a setting that you're familiar with or taking an idea that you're familiar with or an event and 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 kind of playing with how can we turn that into to a nightmare for you and and so that you know that's what holiday horror is doing is is saying we we had that quote two weeks ago from the director of better watch out that was like christmas is a time and you're supposed to be home and safe with your family and gathered around the fireplace and nothing bad is supposed to happen so the, the whole idea of holiday horror is like what if something bad did happen specifically yeah. in this time when when nothing bad is supposed to happen peace yeah. peace and goodwill to all you know what if the opposite of that yeah. is going on in the places that sh- that should be warm and cozy, if it's your house uh, or if it's your community, we talked about that last week with Gremlins about how they took this idea of this nice, idyllic Capra esque town around mm. Christmas time, and it's turned into a a war zone for for Gremlins. Yeah. Um, or how for some people, I think some of this genre introduces how the holidays are not always warm for everyone. I think we were talking, we talked a lot about last week with gremlins about how with Phoebe Cates, character, the idea of like Christmas can be a depressing time mm-hmm. for some people and can have remnants of past memories that you don't want to be, you don't want to go with for the holidays. Uh, yeah. so the holidays can, holidays can, can basically um, enhance or, um, or intensify those feelings yes. of family or lack of family specifically or lack of yes. loved ones. Emotional baggage seems much more significant yes. around the holidays, which I think we'll see today for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I figured because <laughs> th- this is very much kind of the taking the the emotional trauma, family tr- trauma uh, tropes that you see in certain kind of elevated horror you see nowadays, mm-hmm. but putting it in kind of a with this Christmas backdrop that's peppered throughout the film uh, today, and so yeah, it's been a very interesting month with these and i've also i, I watched also to go with this genre too there's also kind of the 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 schlockiness that comes with this genre we haven't really talked about that that much with this this month but i know we just i briefly watched uh, a movie with our movie night this past weekend that was a movie called elves which is uh dan haggerty plays i think santa claus and he's fighting like nazis basically <laughs> um so that's so you have things of that in this genre it feels like where it's like what can we, this kind of wild idea, but we have a lot of cool kills with it or campiness to it. And today's movie is not campy in any way, shape or form. So, so Thomas, what movie are we talking about today? Cause this is your pick today. Yeah. Today we're talking about uh 2020s, the lodge 
It's uh, written by Sergio Cashi, uh, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, and directed by Franz and Fiala, starring uh, Riley Keough, Jaden Martell, and Leah McHugh. And the plotline is uh, a young woman with a traumatic past is stranded with her fiance's children at their remote cabin for Christmas. So, so yeah. that's, that's your jumping off point. Kind of like Better Watch Out. Yeah. There's no way to talk about this movie without spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, <laughs> it is currently streaming on Hulu. So yeah. go check and it can, out on and, Hulu. And, and Canopy as well. So it's on oh. Canopy too. Okay. There you go. If you got so, a library card, you don't have to watch ads. Yeah, there you go. Um, Although Hulu only does ads at the beginning. They don't do it. Yeah, that's throughout. that's that's the one good thing about watching movies on certain, certain apps like that. Just give you two minutes of ads and I never have to worry about it again. Brandon, was this your is this your first time? This is my first time watching it. Okay. Um, I, you know, we had a lot of fun Christmas horror this this month, and I thought right before Christmas, I really just want to hit you with a real downer. Yeah. But bam. And yeah, last night as I was watching it uh stuffy and and cold watching this movie and and also making sure it's not loud enough so my the people below me don't hear it because i'm like you don't know if there's gonna be a jump scare in this at some points there's not really a lot of jump scares in this Mm -hmm. movie it's uh there's a few things that kind of pop up i think kind of at the beginning and in the end Mm -hmm. um but there's it's more of a chilling and atmospheric type horror i mean it's it reminds me I was I wrote this down when I was watching it of the movie called Sun, which was that came out a few years ago. And it was a Shutter exclusive, I believe, uh, that was starred uh, uh, Andy Matchek, I think, from from Halloween series. Mm-hmm. Where she, but she was kind of in a she escaped from a cult, uh, or a, mm. of a, she escaped a religious cult with her like young son, or basically before she. She the son she she basically births the son as she's leaving is is kind of the beginning of the movie, but she thinks like the cult is coming back to her and she she people believe she's she's kind of faking it or she's having visions, um and that was very similar to this movie here, um very di- still two very different movies but the idea of like there's this kind of like I'm seeing more cult type movies and like mm-hmm. religious horror films is the thing of late it feels like especially on these like smaller indie budgeted films if it's five to ten million dollars or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah this is my first time watching it uh it, it is a very chilling uh film also i think you could tell the filmmakers are love other horror films with yes the, with the kind of uh with the the thing reference that pops up in there, but also there's remnants of the shining in this movie, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um but yeah, so that's my experience with this so far. I don't want to get, jump too far ahead. But what what's been, what's your experience with this movie beforehand? Because you you've seen this before. Yes, this was my second time watching it, which is a very different experience. Um yeah. watching it kind of knowing what's gonna happen. Um but I, I checked out the first time it it was something that had a lot of buzz right when it hit uh streaming and it hit we'll talk about kind of its release but it hit right kind of near the beginning of quarantine and yeah yeah, i checked it out and it 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 sat with me it's it's yeah it just makes you feel gross i don't know if gross is the word but it just makes you feel icky like just just kind of down and and there's no there's no good way to feel about this movie yeah um so it it definitely had this like lingering effect on me which i I find a lot of times the the horror movies that sit with me the most are the ones that do that like the shining makes me feel that way 
And uh, I think I may have told that this story on here before, but the first time I saw The Sixth Sense, I was in like sixth grade. Yeah. And I watched it and like we had a really cloudy, rainy, like two weeks straight. And it was like October and I didn't see the sun for like two weeks. And I was just kind of like, yeah, this is this is my life now. I'm just never going to see the sun again. Like that's, that's how just like sad the sixth sense made me feel. And like, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's, there, there's some of this horror that's like this. We've talked about we we talked about slashers and it's like, yeah. oh, we're just having fun. Like, like, uh, you know, you're, you're just here to see some kills and like jump and kind of laugh and, and have a good time. And, and this is a type of horror that is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's and especially if you're saying you're watching it towards the beginning of quarantine with covid it's like this movie is very claustrophobic mm-hmm. i think with the way the 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 house is built they're they're kind of stuck in with the lodge uh it, it's a very um tight space for yeah. them um and, and it, it's it, it very much like with a lot of these characters as we as we keep going forward it's like there's there's not a lot of uh redeeming qualities about <laughs> about this. yes 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 um as you find out as you keep going like i i think the i think the not the funny part but the, the the interesting part i think is that the person you feel i i might feel the most for is grace before the ending mm-hmm. um because she's kind of uh i think it's someone who's who's gotten help and is trying to stay on the path but mm-hmm. because of some events that happen she is pushed off that path and goes down yes um, yeah goes down the dark path yeah basically. She's, she's trying her best she's trying her best and some damn kids uh, uh get yep. in the way Again, this is spoilers. a this is a, a really <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about it some more but i think this is a really nice double header with better watch out it's just uh yes psycho, yes. psycho kids at christmas yes um so yeah so how so how did all this come together thomas so a little backstory on the filmmakers um veronica franz got her start as a film journalist in vienna her husband uh ulrich seidel is a filmmaker and franz co-wrote his award-winning uh paradise trilogy with him one of one of those was up uh for the oscar in like the late 2000s mm-hmm. um uh severin fiala is franz and seidel's nephew who used to babysit the couple's children for them while fiala was a babysitter he and franz discovered they had a shared love for horror films and fiala says uh that he would often during his teenage years he lived out in the country he would drive into the city for the weekend babysit the children and his only payment would be that franz would they would feed him and then they would let him rent whatever he wanted to from the video (laughs) rental store and so he said he would knock out like 16 movies in the weekend while he was in town mm-hmm. and they were, they were especially fans of horror and they said all types of horror, art house horror. Uh, they said one of their favorites was Jason takes Manhattan. So they were just kind of all over the board. They, they liked <laughs> every type of horror. Uh, Fiala eventually went to film school while France continued to write and became an assistant director. Fiala and France first collaborated on a documentary about controversial filmmaker, Peter Kern. After that experience, they continued to collaborate, writing and directing the horror film Goodnight Mommy in 2014, which was a very big hit within kind of art house horror and earned them many accolades. It was Austria's entry in the 88th Academy Awards, but was not selected to compete. Uh, They then wrote and directed a segment for uh, an anthology horror film called Field Guide to Evil, 
which was uh produced by legion m do you ever get ad- i get ads for them all the time I on do. social media i do yeah so it's like crowdsourced uh film studio but yeah, there's, uh, there's a there's a few of those right there was a, there was another one i think they did that one that we saw in school with okay. Anne Hathaway. With Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Colossal. Yeah, they that, did that, that one. Was the, that was the one I was. I was like, it's that's a group that like did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that one was field. It's called Field Guide to Evil. It was an anthology series that kind of picked uh filmmakers, horror filmmakers from different countries, and had them make a short about like a certain distinctive folklore from from their country. So in 2017, the pair was approached by Hammer Films. We've talked a lot about Hammer uh, on this podcast, but Hammer, you know, was kind of the pinnacle of, of British horror. And, and you know, at a certain point, probably horror filmmaking as a whole, when like British yeah. horror was really the best in the like 50s. Um, yeah. But it had been mostly dormant since about the 1980s. Uh, it, it had been newly acquired in the 2000s and was in the process of revitalizing itself in the 2010s with movies like they did the English remake of, of let the right one in um, let, let me in with Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, and they did the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe, which was a remake of a, a heart, a, a, a hammer okay. hammer had done the original uh, version oh, yeah, of the it film. Was, as it was well. a movie first. Okay. Cause I, I it was just, a play. Were, it was a play and it was then play. it was a movie. Okay. But okay. hammer had done the original film adaptation. Seriously, I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I actually like the the 2012 version. Of yeah, that movie. I saw it, I saw it in theaters. It was good. Like I like yeah. I like Gothic horror. I've made that very yeah. clear on on this podcast. So yeah, yeah. it was a good like, little Gothic horror. I I thought I liked that. Felt reckless. I think it was a movie too that it wasn't that like you said. It was kind of in Crimson Peak realm where like there wasn't really much blood in that. It was just <laughs> a atmospheric type mm-hmm. film. Made a lot of money. Like it, like yeah. I'm just looking at now. I mean, a hundred, almost 130 million dollars on like a 20 million dollar budget. 20, it, that was 2012, I think. Yeah. That was that was still that time when like PG 13 horror movies could do really well, which I feel yeah. like has kind of died out with like maybe the Conjuring movies were like the last yeah. ones that were really viable. But um, yeah, there was a while when like PG horror, PG 13 horror was really popular because like 15 yeah. year olds want to want to pay money to go see a horror movie but now 15 year olds don't want to pay money to see a movie at all so there you go no but yeah um uh, let's not go against the zimmers today <laughs> so hammer had purchased the script for the lodge from scottish uh writer sergio cashi and they offered it to france and fiala to make as their first english language film uh france and fiala rewrote much, much of the script especially the ending and set about casting the film uh so Franz and Fiala said the original version had much more fun dialogue, which they stripped out and it ended with the twist being revealed. So does that sound, does that sound somewhat uh, familiar to you? That does. That sounds a lot like better watch out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, let's move that twist that would like to about the mid point with this one. It was like the made the end of act two. It kind of yeah. feels like, yeah. Um, which is funny yeah. because you know, uh, Chris Peck over with when he came on better watch out. He said, let's move that twist up to beginning so of act two end of act one and beginning of act two. So everybody I, wanted to end with the twist originally. And, and, and I, th- yeah. And I think that, I think the sweet spot's going to be the midpoint. That's what I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I saw an interview with them where they were like, yeah, the, the, the script had a lot of fun dialogue and we like stripped that out in the interviewer was like fun. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh man. It's- such a german thing to, or austrian and german thing to do it feels like 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 
because I know they're in, they're big in the Fassbender. It looks like mm-hmm. or one, one, yeah, it's uh or they looked at Peter Kern. Uh, yeah, let's just strip everything fun about the movie away. Yeah, they they said their idea with kind of expanding the ending past the twist was uh they said okay these kids wanted to create purgatory now what happens if they're stuck in it which mm-hmm. I, I think they're very effective at doing we'll put, we'll talk about that I I agree with that uh so they refused to name names but uh Franz and Fiala were already underway in prep with another actress when they took a Skype call with Riley Keough and said oh this is this is our grace hmm. So they said they offered her the part, but they still feel bad for the other actress who had told them that she had already started writing journals about Grace's backstory. Oh, and they're like, oh, sorry, but they won't say who it is. So that's we'll, never well know. I, I respect them for that, because that that it's probably someone of note, if, if mm-hmm. I had to guess. Uh, and you hate when that happens, like when when, when like <laughs> like I think back to like when a um, what was it? La Land, when like when Miles Teller was like kind of fired from La, La Land, but like didn't know he got fired from La, La Land. It was just like, we're going with Ryan Gosling. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought I was doing this movie. Um, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. It's it's tough for actors, I will say, with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can lose. I mean, we talked about with Selena Gomez with Better Watch Out, where it's like, mm-hmm. she's in the running, but simply because the movie has moved to a different country, she's no longer involved, basically. And that sucks. Yep. Um, so Jade Martell and Leah McHugh joined the cast not long before filming began. Cinematographer, uh, Timios Bakatakis signed on, who's best known for, uh, being the kind of frequent collaborator with Yorgos, uh, Lanthimos. Mm. So you probably picked that up in the, in the visuals. I get, I get that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of natural light, uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of angles. Um, and the location was set as a golf course in Montreal. It was a house that on a golf course in Montreal that sh- would shut down for the winter. So that kind of gave them that like desolate open yeah, sp- out in okay. front of them. That was a snowed over golf, golf course, course out in wow. front of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so, well, we'll talk about onset life. But I was like, is mm-hmm. that actually snow? It's like, that's that it was like- real snow. They shot in okay. uh, February of, of 2019. Ooh. So it's not, it's not one. It's not better. Watch out where they were you know trying to get air conditioning running yeah um so now's the portion where we normally move on to favorite scenes this movie i gotta say this movie feels weird (laughs) to talk about favorite scenes so maybe we'll talk about some impactful scenes and then i want to i want to take a little bit of time to to break down this movie's approach to uh psycho children at christmas versus our previous film's approach to yeah well uh, here's some of these directing choices here like so for one I was like, I, I assume you probably caught this, but them casting Alicia Silverstone as the mom, mm-hmm. who looks very similar to Riley Keough, I must say, mm. like they have very similar like like large eyes, like it mm-hmm. really feels like that the dad just said, "I'm gonna go with the younger the, version, the younger one." Yep. It literally felt that way because I was like, because when it first started, I go. Man, they really aged up Riley Keo on this movie. Not, <laughs> not, not to, not saying Lee looks old. I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking, is this the same like actress from Zola or whatever? Which is like, mm-hmm. she's like early twenties or mid twenties. Um, uh, and I was never like, oh no, this is Alicia Silverstone because I didn't know it was her. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no titles. Um, and I was like, well, that's an interesting choice where it's like, it definitely feels like 
the Richard character just got like a younger version of his wife. That's what it felt like. Um, maybe I don't know if that was the choice or was not the choice, but it felt that way. Um, I think what what's impactful. I like the way they build Grace up mm-hmm. in the movie because you see all this stuff happen because of her mm-hmm. or, or because of her being in the life of, of these characters. Um, and they build her up. as like, they even like say she's a psycho before you ever see her. Mm-hmm. Like you, you find all the backstory out about her before you ever see her. And that's, that's a good writing technique where you build this person up and it's almost the opposite of how you think she's going to be. Cause then when yeah. you see her, she's just this, this woman who has this little dog and is wanting to like be nice to the kids and is trying mm-hmm. to like make them feel good and not make it feel awkward. Um, but they built her up as this, she's a psycho. She's from this religious cult. She's this younger woman stepping in because of her coming in, want to get married to our dad. Our mom kills herself. It's like all these things where she could be this like seductress or something manipulative person. But then she ends up being like this nice woman who feels guilty by everything that's happened, mm-hmm. but isn't really to blame for everything that's happened is the thing. Um, so yeah, I like that kind of build up to her. Uh, yeah. That, the, um, the, the first 20 minutes as a whole are just, just kind of a gut punch. It's like yeah. from, from that, from, 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 you know, seeing Alicia, Alicia Silverstone kill herself on camera to kind of spending this, like the next like 10 minutes, just kind of drowning in the grief of these kids yeah and then it's like all right six months later and it's like hey guys it's christmas let's make a new start and it's like no you can't (laughs) how are you supposed to by the way we're getting married Mm -hmm. like it's 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 like you feel like because the because the reason why laura at least silverstone's character goes and kills herself is when she finds out that her still husband wants to finalize divorce so he can marry grace our lead character here and they just like wait six months and they're just like around Holly says, you know what? It's your first Christmas without your mom. I just want you to know we're gonna get married. Yeah. Like it's been enough could, time. It's been enough time. It's been enough time. Um, you can, uh, Richard, he, Richard is like the stupidest character in this movie. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, there was one of the reviews you sent me. I think it might've been Richard Roper where mm-hmm. he was just like, he's kind of the, like because of all his like stupid stuff, the plot happens, which it ends up, it's a good, it's a good story, mm-hmm. but like him having to go off and leave them there. Like he just, he seems too trusting with certain things. He's it's like, it's like sometimes he's, even though he's a writer or whatever, he's unaware of like the feelings, of the people around him. Mm-hmm. It feels like. I was also like, okay, this, this girl I met doing research into this, you know, insane. In cult, this religious uh, cult. Yeah, she's fine. She, she's got her dog now she she's like, she she doesn't have ptsd she's struggling with my kids whose uh mother just killed themselves they're fine everyone's yeah. gonna get along and have a great christmas like and then you leave them alone in a in a snowy at in, in this basically uh secluded lodge where there's they have no car to get away <laughs> like i'm just it's they're it's, fine they've got their sandwich meat you know They've what? Got the thing on DVD, they'll be okay. And Jack Frost, don't forget Jack <laughs> Frost. I I wrote down. I was like, the thing might be a little too old for for Mia at least, mm-hmm. but it might be a little too old. And then I wrote Jack Frost. Maybe too. Maybe they're too old, or 
the thing is too young for the or it's too old for them and jack frost is too young for them is what <laughs> kind of came off they, they need a half milligram but yeah it like just have a have a that's like step three living li- leaving them out with her in a secluded lodge like just go away for like a day and she's at the house where they have everything mm-hmm. like it's weird to put them in a new but anyway enough about richard just being he makes <laughs> dumb decisions but like it sets up a, a story that ends up being kind of a really interesting concept mm-hmm. where they basically it's you said they believe they're in purgatory that's kind of the midpoint mm-hmm. um and but some scenes i like before that i really like when when grace is trying to make the kids feel comfortable so she has like the stuff with uh mia where she's showing him showing her the dog his her dog and trying to get her to kind of feel comfortable uh the grace with aiden stuff that it's talking about psycho kids where aiden is like watching her in the shower mm-hmm. that's like number one psycho kid thing to do it feels like um and but i really like the conversation when she like i'll make you can i make you a sandwich she's like no i'll make my own sandwich and then she kind of like we gotta have a discussion like what is your problem yeah i was trying <laughs> like, to do this the nice way but like yeah you've I'm been spying nice. on me in the shower and we're gonna have to talk about this yeah and he's just like why it's just like or, 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 my favorite part the one of my funniest lines that i laughed out loud because you know there's they ripped out all the fun stuff when <laughs> she's like what's your problem he's like hormones like <laughs> i was hysterical um but uh but yeah i like that scene where it's like right there you kind of think grace could get to mia it feels like but mm-hmm. aiden's gonna be a much difficult task yeah. to to, to kind of get him on her side in some way mm-hmm. and and then when you and then what ends up happening with this whole they they wake up the next day and everything's gone all their all the food's gone all their stuff is gone um and you feel like aiden's somewhat like coming to her side basically Mm -hmm. but by the because because what the movie does which is interesting is that switches povs and it does it in a very um very i mean almost unnoticeable with how it switches from their pov to her pov Mm -hmm. Um, it's very seamless is the thing and you don't realize that until much later in the movie that we're just only following her kind mm-hmm. of is the thing and that kind of switches back it's it switches kind of twice it feels like where it's kids then her then back to the kids basically yeah. um yeah once we once we get that reveal of what the kids have been up to then we're kind yeah. of with them for the rest of it for the rest of the movie because we're kind of away from her so anything they see of her is kind of through their eyes mm-hmm. uh, anything we see of her is through their eyes but yeah it's you have that stuff where when you see her kind of not just having she's having visions of her her dead father mm-hmm. and she's having things where the way everything's pitched to us and and essentially pitched to grace is that she believes that she's she could possibly be in this purgatory in some way she's beginning to believe mm-hmm. because it's those vi- because she's not on her medication she's starting to have those visions and it's something that you could you could theoretically think about if you're stuck in purgatory you might have your previous sins come back and haunt you. Right. And so that's what makes her think this way. Um, but yeah, I like that moment when Aiden, Aiden and her sit down, Aiden kind of reveals to her that like, I think maybe I had a dream last night. What if we die? I, I had a dream of the that gas heater exploding. Um, what if we're dead? 
Um, and then it just, it kind of keeps going. And then you had the whole like fake hanging situation mm-hmm. that really kind of tips her off that, oh, we really are in purgatory. Or when, she, or it's again her finding that, that cross like house in the middle of mm-hmm. the snow. Uh, I'm going. What, what about you? What's the, I'm keep saying my stuff. What's one of yours, uh, in this movie yeah i mean i think i think that whole it's you know this is so much of we'll, we'll talk about it in the fallout but like anytime you do read like on letterbox reviews it's like oh my goodness this movie is so slow but i yeah. think that like like once she cracks that last like 20 minutes of the movie are just like i agree with you on that. Uh, like uh, you you are just on the edge once once yeah. she's gone and she's you've got the like kneeling on the on the burning like yeah. kneeling to pray on the burning logs and 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 Keo is is I mean she's great throughout but she, but is, she really she sells that it, it it's it's not something you know it's it's not to compare it to The Shining it's not like Jack Nicholson where when you meet her you know when you meet her you're not like oh she's she's nuts she's gonna go crazy it's like <laughs> oh she's trying her best she's, she's trying she's, her best seems like she seems like a pretty normal woman and uh, and then it just goes and then she's got that like oh the makeup's great she's got the frostbite oh, on her yeah. nose and and. Oh yeah, when she comes up to the to the attic where they're hiding out, and mm-hmm. she like basically like we have to make a sacrifice, and and she looks like she's been like almost in a fight. It feels like mm-hmm. all the kind of marks on her face. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah that kind of reveal when like it's you see them kind of go down to the basement. Well, you you get at, you get like kind of like thoughts of it when when Mia gets upset when 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 Grace finds uh Grady the dog is it Grady right which yep. is uh, mm-hmm. another shining reference yes. right there yep uh, exactly uh, uh, um she finds the dog yeah and, and that, i don't think that was part of the plan Mia's Mia seems to think that was not part of the plan she's that was not yeah, part of the plan she's really but, upset but i i think the moment the the real like is is when they show the the strap from the hanging and the and the mp3 player that's playing recordings of her father's sermon is when it's really like oh they're doing this did you catch that shot which part say again after he hangs himself Uh uh-huh there's a shot in the attic of of like the the like strap it's like a it's like a shoulder strap that he used to fake the hanging and then and it's right next to like an mp3 player that's like playing audio of her father's sermons and that's when you're okay, really like yeah, yeah. oh these kids did this and then these you get this and then you get the shot after that of them going downstairs and they just stashed the, all the, the junk yeah, in the, in the, yes it's right before yeah in the basement mm-hmm. and which is just an elaborate plan like yeah. they planned it all her, out in their in their dollhouse knock her yeah that that see that this is when i i kind of figured it was going to be this was when before they leave they're kind of have a very like secretive like whispered conversation yeah and i was like oh they're playing some shit these mm-hmm. kids get and then it's the random like he the way the stuff that he puts in his bag i was like that's a weird that's some weird stuff to put in your bag like he's <laughs> he's got something up like the the candles is like an odd choice for like a 13 14 year old kid boy basically um and, and, and i figured the dollhouse come to play because the way it was kind of set up i was like they're it's like they're using it to plan something out mm-hmm. um but even with that, it doesn't fully tip its hand is the thing. Yeah, because like there's I, always this lingering idea that like maybe the mom, the spirit of the mom is involved here because there's the, the doll of her that the, that, uh, the little girl carries around everywhere mm-hmm. with her. And, you know, that's with the dollhouse. It's like it, and there's all this 
stuff, these p- pictures hanging that the mom was like very into Catholicism. And so it's like, what what is going on here? Are we being haunted by the mother? Are we being haunted by Grace's past? What what is haunting us in this house yeah. right now? And it turns out it's the kids. But um, the whole damn time. So that that brings me to we've got two Christmas movies now with with psycho kids. (laughs) We've got like two very different approaches to. Yes. Yes. Um, But my 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 question here is with with this approach, with like the very somber approach to it, is there any like, like. you you want you want this kid in in better watch out we talked about kind of the ending and like you want him to get caught even though you want to see this you do kind of want to see this scheme play out it's also like yeah we gotta get this kid caught a lot of people who dislike the movie say that they don't like having to kind of watch this kid do all these things um i hate similar fashion with this too i've seen several like i i hate i hate or i dislike every character in this movie yes yes but I, I don't know. Is there schadenfreude? And like I, the ending is just so brutal that I'm like, I feel I do feel I, I think I felt bad for the kids. I think I felt more bad for the kids the second time around because yeah. they're the first time around. There is this kind of like they reveal the, the, the twist. And then you're like, man, fuck those kids. <laughs> like that's 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 that is really screwed up. Yeah. Because um, you're like, man, if they did, because at a certain point I was like. Man, if they did this, these guys are assholes. Yeah, especially like, if the if they killed the dog on purpose, which I don't. Yes, I don't. Think, I, don't I don't think they did. I don't, I don't think, they, think they killed the dog on purpose. Mia really seems like legitimately upset. Uh, yeah, with what happened to Grady. Um, I agree. Well, that's also that. That's when. Uh, that's when Jaden. Uh, that's when he kind of drops it too, because you've got that that scene of her like sitting out there holding Grady's body, and they're both like just come yeah. inside. It was so, all. Yeah. It was all a joke. Like. Yeah, and, they and sh- she's they, just completely broken at that point. They shove him down the basement, getting her pills and stuff to try mm-hmm. to get her. At, and that's when they come out with like stuff to warm up. Like, hey, it's okay. Like, it was which he just said. We have to come up with an idea to get her back in the house. But then he just kind of goes out and admits, like, hey, it was a joke. Come back in the house, everything's fine. But at this point, she's too far in she's the gone. deep end. She's gone. done. And then, and then the next time you see her after that, it's again. This is when the POV switches back to the kids. Is what you said when she's like basically kneeling on the 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 fiery or the 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 uh, the hot wood as punishment for her sins because now she's muttering and and saying prayers and saying verses and she's essentially reverted back to that previous state of where she was when she was younger possibly and that 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 cult and those things have kind of taken her over again. Um, because sin is a reoccurring theme in this movie uh, of sins of the past coming back to haunt you in some mm-hmm. way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it definitely dives into this religious aspect of this. Like it's, it's, it's our first like religious horror Christmas movie we've done this, yes. this month. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, and so I think that is something else we, we keep talking about, like what is pre-built into Christmas, the Christmas setting that, that helps these movies, but it's also, yeah, it's, it's, it is religion. It is a religious yeah. holiday. Yeah. And especially for someone who's trying to escape a past, you know, we you guys talked last week about Phoebe Cates trying to escape like kind of the emotional trauma of Christmas. But yeah. if you are like distinctly trying to get away from religion, 
Christmas is going to be a hard time to do so, especially if you're spending yeah. Christmas in a house surrounded by Catholic paintings of, of yeah. saints and, and, and Jesus crosses, and, yeah. and crosses everywhere and and remnants of the mother. It's this mm-hmm. idea of the you could say like Mother Mary or whatever, where it's like this, this mother that's hanging over this woman, essentially, yeah. um, who is this per- besides the suicide is this perfect Catholic woman, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the kids have kind of. I don't say they've they, they've taken all her teachings, but they 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 believe because that's the thing that I think Mia says early is that like she like she didn't go to heaven because she killed herself, which is basically like if, if mm-hmm. I guess Catholicism if you kill yourself, um, you go to hell. Um, so it's like, but they don't they haven't seen what what Grace has seen what with, with the kind of the dark side of of mm-hmm. religion, the kind of uh, the extreme version. Yeah. of it um and i think to them uh, it doesn't become real for them that she's had this until they see it firsthand until they basically pushed her into this yeah. um old version of herself yeah um and there's no turning back at that point like nope. it's that's the thing you get to when when you get to that point when she's come up come up to the 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 attic and she is um uh, confronting them and basically you have to sacrifice something to, to, to purge you of all your sins, get rid of the idols of talking about burning her doll. Like it's, there's the point of no return has been passed and we're not yep. going, we're not getting out of it. Um, but yeah, go back to your questions about the comparison between better watch out and this. Cause, cause I think they're like, like better watch out there are consequences with mm-hmm. all these characters is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the idea of placing, placing the twist, a very similar twist. Yeah. But placing it at two different places in the movie, it I think is is a really interesting kind of case study because because yeah. like we said, with Better Watch Out, the horror comes in kind of being stuck watching this all play out, and yeah. and 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 having to kind of watch it play out from his point of view. With with this one, we see it all play out from where from Grace's point of view, yeah. um, but then we get the answer we get the twist we get their point of view for like like the director said kind of for their comeuppance for for their their punishment for what they have done for them reaping the the effects of of their actions which we actually don't get to see in better watch out that's kind of the cliffhanger of of better watch out is oh she's still alive what are going what's how is this kid going to be punished for this yeah but um that my, my last question for kind of this section is uh within holiday horror what what is where do psycho kids fit in what 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 kind of part of holiday horror uh do, do they fill because we've two two of our four holiday horror movies were were psycho kid movies this year yeah and i mean and and is is uh kevin McAllister a psycho kid as well we don't know yeah, exactly um, um yeah well it, it's interesting because you're taking that idea of like I think back to this quote, I can't remember what movie it was in. I think it was a movie called Christmas Holiday, but it was a noir film. Um, I might be misquoting which movie it was from, but I remember specifically someone saying, Christmas is for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like adults, it's a miserable time, but Christmas for the kids. <laughs> so there's this idea that Christmas, which is a predominantly a holiday for kids, it's it's a it's a it's a young person's holiday. It feels like because you're getting presents and gifts. So it is interesting putting your main characters be kids and you're seeing the in some case the selfishness of 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 them 
Uh, and 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 it, and is that part of the Christmas holiday? Is that kids kids <laughs> want to be selfish for presents? But in mm-hmm. this case, it's selfish for it's selfish for revenge. It's what it feels like with mm-hmm. these with these kids. Um, I think with with the character from with the two weeks ago with Bear Watch Out, where it's like he's getting revenge on her passing him up in his eyes, passing him up for all these other kind of jerks, basically. And to these kids, their revenge is. Um, our mother's dead because of you. I think in both cases, the the revenge is not justified by any means. No, no, uh, I I think they're uh, both they're both very intelligent children. But like yeah. we said, with better watch out, they don't have the emotional intelligence yes. to realize that their retaliation is 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 way out of hand compared yeah. yeah, com- compared to to what they feel they've been slighted for. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see that kind of pop up here. I, I haven't, I didn't really think about that until you asked. Just like the, the idea of like the reoccurring theme of kids and yeah. Well, and I think there's also this idea, you know, with with you know with the song from Better Watch Out. You know, he he sees you yeah. in your sleep. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness yeah. sake. It's this time of year when like all kids, we've all been taught. You, yeah. you know, if you've been bad this year, you better you better straighten up around Christmas time because that's when it really counts for Santa. And so, so <laughs> I do think case, this, they all they all act up at Christmas yeah. time. <laughs> and, you know, there's all this stuff within Christmas. The, the children were nestled all snug in their beds. Like this, this is this is when kids are supposed to be truly innocent. So I, I yeah. do think it it go, goes along with that kind of twisting of all the Christmas aesthetics to be like yeah. the kids are the kids are doing this. They're they're up to no good. <laughs> being very naughty this year oh yeah at the very end of the year no yeah i i, I didn't expect that coming in this month i will say that's that'll mm-hmm. be one of the ending our ending questions of what i realized i didn't really think about that until you brought <laughs> it up um of how you play with the kids a kid's role in in a holiday horror movie mm-hmm. um yeah it's kind of interesting all right well let's do a little bit on set life um okay. So in an effort to build uh, some camaraderie between the children while also promoting fun in what can be a very bleak production, <laughs> uh, Franz and, Fale- and Fiala put a lot of importance on kind of spending their off days, taking Jade Martell and Lee McHugh out on like excursions. They would go ice skating and rock climbing. Uh, notedly absent from these excursions was Riley Keough, who uh-huh. uh, asked to kind of keep her distance from the kids I get that. so that so that they could kind of maintain that relationship. It, it is also important to note that Franz and Fiala shot this in chronological order. Not not, uh, not done very often in movies. We've talked about this before. Very much more expensive. Although in a film like this with a single location, you know, yeah. most, mostly one location, it's, it's not it's not that yeah. difficult. Locations are the main reason why you don't want to shoot in chronological order. For some um, reason, I feel like I don't think I mentioned the episode, but I feel like I read somewhere that Black Christmas is also chronological order, but I'm hmm. not positive. I'm not positive. I might because I'm, I'm. I know Drive was chronological order. We talked about mm-hmm. that last yep. last month. Maybe I'm conflating the two, but I think one of them did. Um, but yeah, but it, it, they they also um, they also shot Goodnight Mommy in in chronological order, and and they just said you know with the the very intense emotional journeys that are embarked upon in this film, it just felt really yeah. important to, and especially with two younger actors, it 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 it's a lot easier on the performance to say, this is your journey through the film and, and, yeah. and let them kind of explore that. Yeah. Uh, like we said, unlike better watch out shooting in an Australian summer with no AC, it was as cold at the shoot location as it appears in the film. Um, 
although the cast noted that the interior of the house was very well heated. Although Franz and Fiala admit that making their first film in North America was a learning curve, especially when it came to safety. Uh, the directors, at the point when the power goes out at the house, the directors asked to turn the heat down uh, within the house so the characters would kind of feel it getting colder as they went. Uh, and they said uh, the day after they first turned the heat down, uh, a union rep showed up on set and was like, hey, you can't, <laughs> you can't turn the heat down. Are you insane? <laughs> And they were like, yeah, in Austria, you know, nobody would have shown up and given us a hard time about that. And they were also like, yeah, we had this scene where she was supposed to be like praying in front of the fire. And they told us that she was like too close to the fire and she was going to inhale like smoke fumes. And Riley was like, well, I smoke cigarettes, so that's OK. And they're like, no, you can't do it. And so it's funny reading interviews with them. They're like, in Europe, we would have been fine. I'm like, yeah, well, this, this, this sounds like a very like like film school versus non film. school. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. You're like, hey, we can't have them out in the water. Why? You just can't have them out in the water without without a, a, a lifeguard nearby. Mm -hmm. But what if they're a lifeguard? That doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing Franz and Fiala concentrated on with Bakatakis was making sure to always shoot just outside of eye lines. So they position shots like above or below the actors, to the left or the right, but you're never really kind of inside the dialogue between these two people. They said... Um, oh. They said that part of that was to feel as as isolated as them. And part of it yeah. was to also feel like there's there's always someone kind of watching because they wanted this presence yeah. of the mother kind of being throughout, which they took from the film Rebecca, which they cite as their biggest oh. influence uh, on this movie. Um, Interesting. They yeah, said they, they, so. they wanted this like shadow of the mother to kind of yeah. lay over the house and and the question will always kind of be is it an actual ghost is it just the memory of these kids who who loved her is it all this yeah. stuff still hanging on the walls like what what is it what is this power that this that this dead woman has over the house yeah yeah it's yeah that's there's a scene i think it's when they're one of the first scenes that mia and grace have together at the lodge at the house when it's like they shoot from above mm-hmm but it's it's a, a really big close up on both of them, but you don't really see their eye, eyes as much. It's like you're seeing a lot of just their eyelids, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a very unique way to shoot this scene. But that makes sense of what you're saying of how like it, it somehow takes what could be an intimate moment and puts it a little bit off kilter, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the film premiered at Sundance in January of 2019. Uh, neon acquired the american distribution rights to the film at sundance yep. but it had already been scheduled on kind of a pretty long festival run so they let that play out uh, before finally setting a release date for november 15th 2019 that was pushed back until february 7th 2020 and had a limited release in los angeles and new york and eventually expanded nationwide in february 21st 2020 so three weeks later on march 11th <laughs> March 11th, 2020, a day that shall live in infamy, Rudy Gobert touched a lot of microphones and the world <laughs> shut down. Uh, I, that's, I love that reference. Oh, what a, and Tom Hanks got, don't forget that. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks got COVID. No. Man, what a, t what a time that was. Remember when that happened, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> I, I will always for forever when 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 Rudy Gobert's NBA career has long faded away. I'm going to be like that guy is who started COVID in America. But here's the thing. And, and, and when I, that's crazy when Rudy Gobert is like, then he got a second time. I was like, Oh, 
we're in the second wave. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the, we're in the, <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, that was the benchmark. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Because I think we were, we were doing, we are doing screenings at that point uh, at Sideshow Books in Culver City. Great bookstore. It's, it's still there. Please go, go, go uh, support them. Um, but I was, we were doing a screen that night there and I remember my back was turned. I was like, I think I was preparing for it. And I just turn and see, and I have the NBA game on and I go, huh, why aren't they playing right now? And they show <laughs> like, oh, this game's been canceled. I was like, oh, someone got COVID. Someone got COVID. And then they, and then like the trickling of the Gobert news came out. I was like, oh, it's going to be him. It's totally mm-hmm. going to be him. Cause they showed the microphone thing. <sighs> oh, what a time. Yeah. So this, this had a, you know, around two month release but really only about three weeks of of wide release uh but ultimately ultimately made uh 2.6 million dollars worldwide which is not bad that's not bad for for the beginning of of a pandemic yeah Uh, yeah um the budget has never been published but i mean it's 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 like one location like i I don't feel like it was probably pretty cheap yeah Uh, i i would say it's probably in the three to five million range mm -hmm. if i had to guess with with just dealing with the weather and all that's i would say three to five million yeah uh so it earned a lot of good reviews during its festival run uh but brian tallerico from RogerEbert.com said it's a truly unsettling movie the kind of horror film that rattles you on an almost subconscious level making you more uncomfortable than going for cheap scares mm-hmm. uh, uh benjamin lee from the guardian called it both staggeringly grim and hopelessly sad which you know, if that doesn't <laughs> convince you to watch it, I don't, I don't know what I don't will. Know, I don't know what will this on your Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, so those critics who didn't care for the film, uh, they often cite its unconvincing narrative, yeah. or a lot of people just say it like doesn't live up to Goodnight Mommy, which is debatable. Uh, so with kind of COVID and and the theaters being shut down, Neon pretty quickly cut a streaming deal with Hulu. Yeah. who started streaming the film pretty quickly it was it, it hit the service at the beginning of may of 2020 so not a not a bad turnaround and and you know right at the beginning of people realizing like oh we got to rethink the idea of like going straight to streaming which yeah you know, pretty pretty majorly changed the film industry and do you, do you remember again right when that happened because right when that was right when COVID happened you had uh onward onward yeah it was on disney um, it was the way back to Ben Affleck basketball movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a few words, and like all of them were like cutting deals where it could go to VOD almost immediately, basically, so they could like recoup some money. So there, I, I, one day it'll be interesting to kind of look back on those movies that came out between February and March of 2020 and see their influence, I guess, or kind of like of like did did some did some uh interesting stuff get lost in the world mm-hmm. shutting down basically yeah but with this one you know once it started streaming it, it did build world word of mouth um it, it like I, that that's why i watched it like i saw yeah. i saw a lot of reviews coming out when it hit hulu but it also fell victim uh to the horror curse we've talked about it a lot on this but horror film yeah. horror film fans are very vocal about what they like yeah. and don't like and very unpredictable about what they do and don't like <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of people on the internet didn't care for this one uh a lot yeah. of people called it real slow um which when i call you know soul survivor slow everybody gets mad at me but you know <laughs> uh who knows um 
a lot of people also say the plot's illogical, which I've seen it twice now. I'm like, I don't have that I much of a problem. Like, like yeah, like we said, like, yeah, the dad probably shouldn't leave the two of them, the, the three of them there yeah. alone. But like, come on, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, here's the thing. He, he's dumb, but I also think human can, humans can be dumb, too. So yeah. that, that wasn't a yeah. big jump. I wouldn't have done that if it was me. Hopefully yeah. I would. I don't know. It's established that he's dumb, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> uh, when he started dating the girl that he met while he was writing a book about a crazy cult, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe right that's there, not the best like move this, right there. This yeah. guy is, isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Yeah. Um, and, and some people just outright says it shouldn't be considered a horror film, which I think is, is yeah, wild. I, I, yeah. Horror fans, man. <laughs> so while the movie has a 74% fresh, uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a, Kind of middle of the road, three point two yeah. on Letterboxd, and yep. a uh, a rotten fifty one percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it was also unfortunately hurt by a phenomenon that has happened often in Hollywood. It closely resembled a rival film that was made around the same time, but beat it to theaters, yeah. uh, leading a lot of people to call it a copycat. That's guys. That's if something can't, comes out within the same year as each other, they didn't copy it. They, it's they just made, a weird. They made it it's a, at the same time. It's a, it's a weird coincidence. Uh, in it's, some it's, cases, that someone is trying to get one out before the other. Yeah. But it's yeah. Anson Bug, Bugs Life. It's Madagascar and the Wild. Yeah. It's well, every well, Pinocchio I, movie. Yeah. Well, one bit was the, the Illusionist and the Prestige. Yes. The two, yeah, those yeah. Came out at the same time. White House Down and and, and Olympus, Olympus has falls. fallen. Yeah. Same summer. That was the same <laughs> summer. Um, well, I know the ants and bugs life was was actually literally literally Katzenberg stealing from a bug's life. Like that was legitimately mm-hmm. a thing where I think cats. This is a tangent, but the Katzenberg was meeting with John Lasseter, and Lasseter was and Katzenberg already left Disney and he was at DreamWorks. And Lasseter just being his friend was pitching him a bug's life. Oh, this is what we're doing now. And the next thing you know, DreamWorks puts ants into production. He's like, "Yeah, what the hell?" He goes, <laughs> man, "He goes, he goes, Disney's after me, man. I had to do something. I had to do something." And and then he made ants. Uh, so yeah, and they rushed it. But anyway, but yeah, it's like it's the movies are because uh, I, I assume you're gonna talk about Hereditary, right? Yeah, the way you're in the yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I mean, there's you've got like an intricate dollhouse that illustrates the plot as yeah. it's going on. Like that's straight out of Hereditary. You've got this kind of isolated cabin with yeah. like very similar vibes to it. Uh, along with the shocking early death of a family member leading to a long meditation on grief and yeah. cult themes. So there's a lot there's a lot going on that's yeah. similar to hereditary. And anywhere you look online, you're going to find people like, yes, oh, this just ripped off hereditary, blah, blah, blah. They, it's not even original. They stole this from hereditary. Um, but if you do, the, if you do the math, you pull the calendar out. Hereditary came out at Sundance in 2018, which would have been like literally they would have been on their way to Montreal to shoot yeah, this. So, I, I, I had read that people had commented that and they're like, it was impossible because they were just now about to start shooting it when hereditary yeah. was coming out. I don't so think I they know. left their, their isolated cabin uh, two hours outside of Montreal to fly to, to Sundance and, and then immediately yeah. were like, let's just steal that. Um, so let's do, a, let's do a rewrite. Yeah. Let's do a rewrite. Coincidence people. Yeah. Uh, but despite the initial backlash from the internet, the lodge continues to find an audience online, and you can also often find it referenced e- either positively or negatively when when people are kind of debating "quote unquote" slow horror. Um, yeah. Anytime people start talking about slow horror, this this one pops up. I feel like 
I did recommend it recently. Somebody on Reddit posted like, what's a movie that's going to make me feel bad? I forget what some of the other things they reference. where I think seven <laughs> was one of them. But they were like, I just love these movies that make me feel like just awful throughout. And I was like, oh, watch the watch. There you go. Oh, man. I, uh, yeah, I, I was going to have a comment on something else, but I won't say it. Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one that it will. It's it's. That's the. It feels like a movie that like. Again, you're talking about this theatrical streaming kind of competition. It does feel like one that. I could see living on a streaming service mm-hmm. in, in our kind of current makeup. It feels like like I think if. If this movie came, if this movie came out after COVID. This is probably like a Shutter exclusive or a Hulu exclusive mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but yeah, well, I think you're you're also talking uh, when you know when you talk this versus Hereditary. I, I mean, I still think Hereditary is the stronger movie, but there's a much deeper conversation to be had here of anyone else in the world versus A24. Like, yeah, who's going to market and distribute the film better? And, probably and A24. They've, yeah. they've they've proven themselves many times over. Well, and that's been the big kind. Of, well, that's been a kind of an interesting kind of debate against. I don't, I don't want to say film bros because that's been kind of a. Thing. I, I, you and I have had discuss. I think conversations sort of mentions that it's like you have a twenty four, but then you have Neon, which Neon is also a very interesting company that is overshadowed a lot because of a twenty four. You know, their content can be fairly similar. I think a lot of the times it's like Neon did did Parasite in, mm-hmm. in the U S. released it in the U S. Neon did uh, Itania. Like Neon has done a lot of different prestige movies or art or creative artistically driven like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Worst Person in the World, Spencer. Those feel like they could be an A twenty four movie, but it's Neon. I think mm-hmm. they just sometimes get overshadowed by the clout that A twenty four. I mean, it's really probably the merch. I think it's A twenty four's merch that really kind of put. It, it's I think they and, and marketing. They, I think they. Yeah, they, they I think they know they social media brand. really yeah, well. They realize, yeah, yeah. They realize A twenty four is just it's more than just a film company. It's a brand. Yeah, that's the thing. I saw somebody tweet one time. They were like, "Yo, A twenty four is just Marvel for film bros. Like you guys will go see whatever they drop." And I'm like, I, I, "Like I know you mean this negatively, but the people who work at A twenty four would probably take that as a compliment because yeah. I, I do think their idea." At some point, they very obviously had the idea at that company that was like, we need to be a brand yeah. where anything that we drop has this like quality assurance. Like yeah. it, it, it is an A24 movie and and studios have not a lot of like Searchlight had that, you know, in, in the yes. in the like 90s, 2000s. I think they kind of built that brand where if like Searchlight put their stamp on it, especially for these companies that are specifically buying up movies at uh at festivals that that was kind of searchlight's whole thing was we have really good scouts who go and pick really good movies and if we put our stamp on it that means it's going to be good and you could for a long time there if searchlight was putting a movie out you're like yeah that's probably going to be it's worth seeing um and 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 i think a24 has really gone out of their way to establish that through marketing through merch but to just kind of build a space where when they drop it people can go oh it's a24 i'm going to check it out yeah, um, and like I could I could probably name several movies that are neon that you you could easily think oh that could be a twenty four movie yeah yeah um but it's like you said it's it's a it's a they know it's a brand like they're they're I said they're the mainstream of the niche is kind of mm-hmm. the thing yep that's like that you said that Marvel comment is that Marvel is the mainstream Marvel is the 
ultimate thing that that is on people's mind in in general audiences. But if you talk about a film centric audience or a your more niche film goer, A twenty four is always the top thing nowadays. Yep. All right. So, what what works in the lodge, Brandon? I mean, the performances are fantastic here. I think Riley Keough yeah. is is really strong in this film. I, I she's an actress that I've always been fascinated by, not just because she's Elvis Presley's uh, granddaughter, um, but because she is, I think a a really talented actress. If it's Zola, if it's even, I th- I love her in Logan Lucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I think she, I, I haven't, I, I didn't watch the Girlfriend Experience. That's one I've been meaning to watch. That she is in. Is she in the first season? Maybe. I don't know if she did all seasons, but she's someone that I'm I'm always like intrigued by, uh, by the choices she makes. Yeah, yeah. Logan um, Lucky was was the first one for me where I was really like, oh, she was fun. That's that. Elvis's <laughs> granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. She was, I mean, everybody in that movie was, was having a great time, but she yeah. she held her own against a, some some very established actors as a as a fairly newcomer. Yeah, I think she's good in a uh, uh, under this under the Silver Lake as well. Um, mm-hmm. She she has she's. She's someone I'm intrigued to see if she can pop up and be a bigger star mm-hmm. because she she has just is extremely talented. Um, I she's I think she's probably not the big of a role, but she's good in Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. you know, like as one of the girl as one of the uh, the wives. Um, but yeah, I think she's fantastic here. I think the kids are good too. Yeah. Um, I I think I think they're believable in the twist that kind of happens. Like, yeah, I think I think I think Jade Martell is very good, but Leah McHugh I, I think is really impressive for yeah. for her age and yeah. and kind of what she has to do for this role is is really really well done. Yeah, she was probably thirteen here, maybe thirteen or or twelve. Mm-hmm. It looks like from the ages I'm looking at. Um, yeah, I think she's really she's really good in this movie. I, I think I think I think I think that trio is a, is really good. I, I think visually the film is impressive. I think the cinematography is gorgeous, and that's just mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing: if you shoot uh shoot a snowy scenery, it, it's really hard to make it look bad. But uh, they make it look gorgeous in, mm-hmm. in this, but also gorgeous, but also chilling and atmospheric and uh, like you said, bleak is the mm-hmm. thing. Um, but then again, just the way we're talking about how they shoot just the scenes, the, the, uh, the dialogue scenes mm. with how they, where they place the camera there, I think is a very, um, it also, I can see the European style coming in there is the yeah. thing. It's very, it's very un-American, like non-American traditional style, I guess you could say, um, with how they just shoot conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a good job. And again, I think it's an interesting concept. I think it's, it's for a little bit, I was like, Hey, where are we going with this? It's interesting. But then we kind of, the mid they, they do a good job at the midpoint kind of revealing oh uh, we could be in purgatory here yeah. um yeah what about you what would you what do you think worked about this film yeah i agree i think i think the performances carry it i i think it looks great especially you know just the way it's kind of lit with all this like just kind of light coming in reflected off the snow makes it so like white and and yeah yeah it's it's nothing else really looks like it um yeah, it, it's it's very unique in in that, and um, yeah, I think ultimately, as 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 much as everyone talks about kind of how how slow it is, I think once yeah, once you get into that kind of purgatory part, I think it just goes. I like it's I I find it so unnerving that I'm yeah. I'm 
wrapped up in it through the rest of the film and that yeah like like i said that ending we i mean we haven't really talked about we haven't when, even when, discussed the ending when, yeah. when richard armitage comes back but like damn uh, that's an intense scene well because also you have her fire the gun and it doesn't go off when she mm-hmm. points to herself and you're like what the hell is that and then it's, she shoots and kills him mm-hmm. and it's and then talking about again where basically there's no redeeming qualities of any character by the end of this movie I mean, you know, you can't feel sorry for the kids because they, they found themselves basically dug themselves too deep in a hole mm-hmm. where she's reverted back to like it's on, in a way it's like she's become her father basically yeah. by the end of the movie. It's it's the like she's putting and, the tape on their mouths. She's yeah. Yeah. She's put the tape on her mouth They're They're now representing her. And then you have this kind of gun in the middle of the table it's it's like you never it's like you don't know what sh- this one will do and i just kept thinking like oh is this the beginning of like is she following her father's footsteps is this the beginning of her cult that she's gonna do or is it just gonna be these are the three people we're gonna live here from now on or whatever like what happens to these 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 kids here um that's a whole different movie i think of them mm-hmm. trying to run away from her but you know it's a very it's a very bleak and disturbing ending Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's a. I don't know if you want that for the holidays, but you, you guys <laughs> choose. You guys choose. Um. Okay. So what what doesn't work here? Okay. I don't want to say it's slow, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a few minutes too long. Mm-hmm. The reason I say it, it felt like how to explain this. It felt like every time there was a turn. It was like two minutes too late, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. The the section when they're not really, they haven't really put the plan into effect yet. Yeah, is that that goes on for a little too? Like I, I like I don't yeah. I don't really see why they wouldn't just immediately put the plan into effect. You know? Yeah. If that's if that's what they want to do, especially because they know that their dad's due back. It's like if you want to drive her crazy, let's go. Like just go for it. So when when she's kind yeah. of sleepwalking. And 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 there, it's like yeah, you know, I don't know. You, yeah, you could get you could get straight to the to the gas heater and the purgatory stuff. Just just to, like, and if it's simple as it's, but they want to add the whole like him watching her in the shower and things like that. It just feels like it adds a few me to me beats. I felt myself like, okay, where are we going with this? And then two minutes later, okay, there, that's where we're going with this. And I think it's it's a very hard trick to do where you know when to make the turn for the audience mm-hmm. like i to put in, I, I, this film is nothing like this movie <laughs> but glass onion does a very good ryan johnson does a very good job with that where he right when he can right when you can feel the audience about to get possibly get bored with the situation or starting to question why are we still here there's a turn that carries you through for the next sequence or the, the back half of me or whatever. And I think this one's just a tad bit off in those parts where it needs that turn. Mm. It's like, I th- even the stuff with kind of the turn of like, it's all a kind of, uh, it's all been a ruse. They've been gaslighting her. It's like a, just a, a minute or two off. If it, it felt like to me is the thing. So, yeah. And, and I think my other thing is, I think as, as much as, as everyone complains about the pacing of it um yeah like like you said i think you could lose a couple minutes i don't think that applies necessarily to the pace i think that's yeah um but i think a lot of people who are turned off by this are are actually turned off by the the shooting style of it 
and 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 it's subtle enough that that they don't really know um but it is it is very off-putting because like you said it's not very american style it's not what we're what we're used to here and it, and it does make you feel isolated it makes you feel cut off um so not i don't think that doesn't work but i i do think that i think some of the people who are kind of repulsed by this movie and they're like it's boring i, I think part of yeah. that is kind of that they feel disconnected from it because of yes because of that shoot style but i don't know if, i don't know if you're supposed to be connected to these characters no. of the other thing it's like, it's like you're supposed to be distant from them is, is the thing yeah it's supposed to be cold. Yeah. Uh, anything else? No, I, I don't think that's really. I said I I think it's a movie where like it's a very f- interesting. I said case study with Bear Watch Out, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a movie that deserve that I think should get a little bit more attention. I don't know if I'd say it's a great film by any means, mm-hmm. but I think it's. But I think it's a very good film. Is what yeah, I mean. yeah. I still, yeah. I still, I still think Hereditary is the is the better film if you're talking yeah. about that. But the, this, this also, this accomplishes, I think, different things. I agree. Um, I think, I think Hereditary does kind of by the end, it does kind of dip enough into that kind of traditional horror where you're like, you can't have like a little bit of fun with it by the uh-huh. end. Yeah. It does get a little so outlandish by the end that you're kind of like, ha, ha, ha. that that nervous laughter that is kind of a trademark <laughs> of a horror movie, you know. But this one you just can't, and then no, you no, just no. sit and feel bad. Yes, it's 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 yeah, it's not a a warm cozy feeling. No, <laughs> no matter if you like. I don't it, think it, the ending of Reddit. I wouldn't call the ending of Hereditary a warm cozy feeling either. But I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, just because it has Jack Frost in it with Michael Keaton as the snowman, I just, it's not a warm and cozy film. By All ends. right, here we go. Film facts. <laughs> this is not this. I wanted to open. This is not a Lodge film fact. This is my favorite Jack Frost film fact. Do you know this one? Have you, have you heard this before? Is this the, is this the George Clooney? George bit? Clooney. Yeah. Yeah. The, let, the yeah. snowman is George Clooney. <laughs> it makes perfect sense when you see it. Um, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, George Clooney was signed on to the movie. Sam Raimi was supposed to direct. Was, well, it, also, also backtrack. Jack Frost is a movie yeah. where About a, a dad dies, a bad dad. We, and go back to last year's Christmas uh, month. A lot of bad dads in that month. Yeah. yeah. Um, bad dad doesn't have time I mean, for it, his kid. Yeah. yeah. Dies. dies. Dies in a car accident. His, and his spirit br- is transformed into a snowman. Um, yes. Via a magical harmonica. Yes. Because he's a musician. Yeah. Yeah. So at one point it was supposed to be Sam Raimi directing and George Clooney had signed on because he wanted to work with Sam Raimi and Uh then Sam Raimi left and George Clooney left, but the Jim Henson workshop had already built the snowman to look like Clooney. And so like, it's not something, you know, when you're watching the movie, if you don't know that you're not like, that's a George Clooney snowman. But like, as soon as you hear it and you look, it's like so obviously a George Clooney snowman. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I I'd heard that, but I never knew it. I thought it was just like an urban legend. Like, oh, it's supposed to be George Clooney. But now you say that, and now I'm reading it. It was definitely supposed to be George yeah, it's Clooney. Got those, it's got the, the Clooney the eyebrows, eyes, the like post-ER yeah. Clooney eyebrows, yeah. Man, what a what a world that would have been in. I mean, it didn't hurt Miles Keaton's career. But yeah, I think uh, two Batman almost up for the same role there, Clooney mm-hmm. and Keaton. And then does Clooney do – is this – this has to be post – uh batman and robin right i feel like it had to be what's yeah. batman and robin 97 so yeah talk about just if he does that back to back that would be a very <laughs> whoo that'd be a rough 
uh, one two for 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 GC. Uh, my my he probably did out of sight instead of Jack Frost. That's what mm, I think probably good happened. call from yeah, Dust Till Dawn was probably around that time too. That was that was ninety six. That was before oh, Batman before and Robin. That. Yeah, okay. That was that was that was the year of One Fine Day as well. By the way, just so mm. you know, One Fine mm-hmm. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll come back in later. I'll bring that back up later. Okay. <laughs> I have a spot right. for that. For uh, well, for for actual Lodge trivia, I, re- I really only have one thing, but it's pretty interesting. Okay. So, uh, Franz and Fiala were having a tough time casting the cult leader. And one day during filming, uh, Riley Keough was kind of in the green room and she was FaceTiming with her dad. And she said, hey, guys, like kind of turned the phone around and was like, hey, meet the directors. Directors, this is my dad. And they were both like, oh, my gosh, you're our cult leader. <laughs> and he Danny is his name's Danny Keough. He's, he's Riley's father. He has zero acting experience, but he did have cult experience. <laughs> um, oh, no. So uh, Danny Keough was raised a, sci- a small town Scientologist, moved to Los Angeles to play guitar in the Scientology church band. I forgot about this. Yes. And met Lisa Marie Presley when she was living at the Celebrity Center at the Church okay. of Scientology in L.A. And so they uh, met and, and got married and had kids all through Scientology. They have since very both of them have very publicly left uh, the church. Lisa Marie yeah. like made a very big deal out yes. of it when she left. Um, but but Danny Keough said, yeah, I'll do it. And I mean, it's just a, a couple of lines, whatever. But he said when they built that kind of set out for him of the church and they had all the beds and the people with the, with the uh, things, you know, very Heaven's Gate. You know, they've got yeah. the like purple robes draped over him. But he was like, this is like just like being back and like. <laughs> like early the, 80s scientology yeah. like small town especially, scientology. Especially, especially those camps like because they, they have like camps off in like smaller mm-hmm. towns right Those yeah. like centers yeah yeah um, um but he also he's a very interesting fellow if you look him up he's 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 never really gone in for like kind of the showbiz life and has lived a lot of his life seems like in a van kind of driving around the country but um yeah he, he also spent some time uh as a dive a professional diver and diving instructor in hawaii so he was like, they were like, yeah, you want to be our cult guy? You're going to have to do this like scene under the water. He was like, I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> so he was like ready to go for that scene where he had to has to like drag her under the, in, in the lake. So there you go. Danny Keough coming in, coming in strong with a, a little cameo to support his he's daughter. Good. He's good. All right. So awards. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PhD straight award. Actor, actress with limited scenes that kills it. I think he's the only kind of fits for limited scenes. Like I, I, I mean, maybe Richard Alicia or, or Alicia, no, Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. No, you're right. Alicia Silverstone's actually. <sighs> That's a tough one. Who do you pick? Because it's, it's. I gotta give it to Alicia. She's she. She is good. I, I think what also helps is that you see because another scene we didn't bring up that I really like is when 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 Mia shows uh, uh, Grace the DVD of like the their home video stuff. Mm-hmm. And and it's a very awkward scene, um, but I think it's a good kind of comparison of what Alicia Silverstone has began the movie, where she's very cold and and uh, upset and kind of with the life that she's currently in, and then the video is like warm and happy version of it. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think she's good in this because I I was exp- when coming in this oh I didn't know she was in this movie and I again I I thought. I really think there's a choice there to cast one that looks like a little bit older Riley Keough. I really think that. Um, 
But I was like, oh, I thought she's, oh, she'll have a pretty big part here. And then she does it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, there we go. But it is the good scene when, when, when he, when Richard confronts or basically tells her, uh, that they're, she, he wants to finalize the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I wonder if this is at all knowing that they had kind of the same DP as Yorgos Lanthimos because yeah. right right before this she was in Killing of a Sacred Deer, Deer and had a really yeah. strong but small kind of role in that as well. So some really really interesting career choices for her, but I think I think she's great yeah. in it. All right, uh, so for Annie Potts X Factor, which is the supporting actor or actress that is the most memorable. I mean, it it's it's probably split between the kids. I mm-hmm. think. I think, um, as you said, I think uh, Leah is it Leah McHugh. McHugh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Leah McHugh. She might be the more natural, I guess you could say. I think she she's a little bit more. I mean, I'm not saying that he's that Jaden uh, Martell is bad. He's, he's he's playing a teenage boy, which you know, there's yes. not a, a wide range of emotions for for a teenage boy. She's playing a more conflicted role mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think I think with her. I know teenage boy for one. I think he's going to internalize a lot more mm-hmm. with the mother's death and all that. So he is more internal, which is a, which is which is a great thing the actor can do, and he does well. I think she does a good job of externalizing some of the stuff with her conflict and not making it seem over the top, which could very much happen with a young child actress or yeah actor, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she does it. Inc- I mean, it's the same when it's the dog stuff when she's like crying and saying i didn't mean to but then you have the one where she could i mean it's like she it's the stuff with the doll or when she when she tells uh grace like that's our mom's cap or 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 a a beanie or whatever Mm -hmm. i think i think she it's it's that really heartbreaking moment when uh uh she tries to tie the doll to the balloon and the balloon Mm -hmm. won't go up but there's a lot she has a lot of good moments is the thing and you see her crying and dealing with that as a young kid who's externalizing all that and then this more somber quiet individual as the movie goes on Um, yeah yeah and i I think she i think she gives it she she brings to the character this this kind of credibility where you you feel like yes she would go along with this yes plot that her brothers come up with to a certain point and then she 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 very obviously uh is 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 shaken by it before yeah. he is which which yeah that's that, that's absolutely what would happen but i think she she hits all those beats really well all right and then the gene hackman mvp award for the person who carries this movie to me this is Riley Keo. like yeah. i think, yeah, it's, I, think I, I think it's definitely right the directors are great here but i think Riley Keo really lends wins it in a landslide i think mm-hmm. she the movie she holds the movie on her shoulders and just really gives a phenomenal performance in a film like this. Like you have those moments of it breaking through where she's trying to be the nice stepmom mm-hmm. to being pissed. Cause her phone is gone uh, or, is, or, is, or, or battery's dead and stuff. Her, her stuff is gone. Her pills are gone. And she's laying like being pissed. These kids starts to kind of come through. And then it's the shift when she becomes this, this, uh, the ending scene when she's uh confronts them in the attic when she's telling them to sacrifice something they love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think she, you see so many different things. It's a it's it's a wide range for her character in this movie, and I think she handles it incredibly well throughout the entire film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. It's a 
it, it it feels you know whether or not people debate whether or not the plot is is logical like her her uh journey her emotional journey feels true yes um she is believable in the in all the movie in the entire yeah. movie i think yeah and my problem for anyone who's like, oh, she wouldn't fall for that. You don't know what medication she was on. She's been she's, on, she's been off of it for days. Like, yeah. Yeah. You uh, don't know what. Yeah. You don't know what she needed. Yeah. And All also, right. again, you talk about PTSD. It's like this stuff could trigger something. Mm-hmm. And without medication, it, it's it's a it's not a fun, fun way to be. Yep. Yep. So Riley Keough, Gene Hackman, MVP award winner. Maybe we'll see more go. from her coming up. I hope so. We'll I hope so. Okay. I feel like there's something you're not saying to me or I just want you to know that I, I'm here if you want to talk to me about anything. Why would I talk to you? Because we're stuck in a house together. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean stuck. I meant I'm we're in a house together. I wanna be in the house. I mean I didn't mean I didn't mean that. I just meant it would be a lot better, I think, for both of us if we could talk. I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me? Okay. You don't want to talk to me. You just want to watch me in the shower. You don't have anything to say to me. I just wanted to try and make things better. So final questions. Okay. I said I kind of took this back to like Hammer and and Shining and and kind of the psychological horror rise in the 70s, like early 80s. So... (laughs) Okay, well, I, I did I, I did a little bit of mid eighties. Mid eighties, that's fine. Okay, go I for that. Right, I, right, I, it could be here's the thing. It could be like 84, 83. Okay. Uh, it's eighty five specifically for one person. Okay. Because their first movie was in eighty five, so it could right. be a year before. All right. Um, let's hear. It. All right. Okay. I have I have all of them. All right. Let's go. Okay. Well, I don't have, I don't have the. Uh, uh, cult leader I didn't, I didn't figure that okay. one out that, yeah you don't have to that, do could, that, that could be walter mathow um i don't know um <laughs> you have alicia silverstone i do have her let's get her first all right i have i have a uh, goldie hahn for that oh wow okay that's devastating very, nobody that's wants to very, see goldie hahn kill ve- themselves in the beginning very, of the that's a very different yeah very different for her but i have i kind of have a reason for that is the thing because because again i went with the idea of like casting someone somewhat similar or could be somewhat similar and look in some way we'll see if i, mm-hmm. I landed on it um but i went goldie Hawn for for lara i had share was another pick as well mm-hmm. for that period but i think goldie Hawn is very against type for goldie Hawn is the yes thing. And absolutely I, and that's, that's why i was going there okay okay um for richard i have kevin klein for richard oh I found okay. him, like very very comedic with, with these two picks, but like uh, Kevin Klein, like like Sophie's Choice, Kevin Klein, like, he he mm-hmm. he's underrated dramatic actor, underrated you, actor. You know I'm in. Yeah, you I know, know I'm in. sold. I know you're in. Um, so the, those are the those are the original parents. Okay. Um, for uh for Mia, mm-hmm. I think there's just there's a one logical answer for this, Thomas. That's Drew Barrymore. Yeah, absolutely. Post ET, she would eat this up. Like, I think uh, yep. she, she'd be fantastic here. Okay, and then here's the reason why I picked uh, uh, this specific year for this for this person for Aiden. River Phoenix. Oh wow! Okay, 
Yeah, that, I, I, I like that. I'm, I'm proud of that pick. You could also, if you want, to, I don't think, I don't think he's as, um, mature as Saber Phoenix is. I think, because I, I think age wise, I think Phoenix was about like 13, 14. He might be a little too young, but I think he'd still be good for this role. Uh, but I, I think I also had like, um, Ethan Hawk down, but I think he might be too mm-hmm. youthful for that. Um, but I think Phoenix would be interesting for that. And then yeah. for Grace, for Grace, Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, I'm in. I'm sold. Okay, you don't have any replacements for this one. I don't think so. I'd watch this 100. percent Okay, because I was like, I was like, who's? So with the age, age wise, with Goldie Hawn and Pfeiffer, I was like, they could pass as like if Kevin Klein's going for the quote unquote younger version. Mm-hmm. I think Pfeiffer fits in that category with Goldie Hawn in this period of time. All right. Yeah. I like it a lot. Okay. I don't know who directs it. I have no clue. <laughs> Adrian Line. Uh no. <laughs> that's a that's a very different version. But, hey, it could be a Jacob's Ladder version. I don't know. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Big fan. Um okay. All right. I like that. So, does this fit into any other genres other than uh holiday horror? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it easily fits into the the subgenre of relig- religious horror. I would Ooh. say mm-hmm. uh, re- religion is is all through this movie. Yep. Um, uh, contained space film. I would I would say uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a separate thing. This may it's a, a offshoot of of contained movies, but like snowy films. Like I yeah. feel like. That's kind of uh, that's been like a thing of like I know Criterion this month. Has like yeah, a, Criterion's when, doing when, snow westerns, so why can't we westerns. do snow horror? Yes, but I think just like yeah, snowy yeah, because I think there's a movie called No Exit that came out recently that was also like a snowed in type thing. Um, but even there's other you know, movies that are snowed in that's a comedy. It's like a remember that movie Two Night Stand with Miles Teller mm-hmm. uh, where they're snowed in um, after a one night. So stand. You got what thirty days a night? That's a that's yeah. snow horror. Yeah, the thing. Thing is, snow horror, shining, snow horror. shining. It's yeah. These are all snowy horror films. I think I think we can do that. That counts. One big trope, snow. Uh, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, you could argue like a cult movie, like because it deals with kind of which the which that goes in the religious horror. I think actually, um, but but that is gonna be an offshoot of religious horror as cult horror in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are the ones that come to mind for me. And Psycho Kids, you know. Psycho Kids. How can I forget Psycho Kids? That's that's mm-hmm. that's key. I mean, it's the, there's. I also was just reminded of like Stepmom with Julia Roberts for some reason with this movie too. <laughs> I, I, like, I I did kind of this when I was watching. I was like, this is kind of like like Parent Trap and like the worst. If <laughs> if better if Better Watch Out is like Home Alone with the with the, the worst possible consequences, then this is Parent Trap with the worst possible consequences. That's a that's a good that's a good. Let's comparison. get rid of our mean stepmom. <laughs> Instead of going camping, let's just ha- let's gaslight her. I mean, yeah. they, they they gaslight her a little bit in Parent Trap too, mm-hmm. but like this is the ultimate. They, gas- they do. Uh, well, no, that ends up being a dream. I was about to say when she wakes up, when she falls asleep and wakes up on the ice. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like a Parent Trap, uh, but that 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 part's a dream. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we but go. Still, but tormenting kids in both those movies. Mm-hmm. So within the holiday horror genre. And to wrap it all up, where does where does this fit in with our with our overall view of holiday horror this month? Well, again, it takes we talked about Christmas as it doesn't use Christmas 
as much as some of the other ones do. It's more, this is the most like used as a backdrop than mm-hmm. anything in the albums we covered. But I think it's the idea of you talking about the psycho kids aspect of it and how that kind of plays into this Christmas horror genre. Um, the idea of being contained in a space uh, and horror kind of coming from within is the mm-hmm. thing um, that really happens here. But it also adds this layer of the religious aspect of the holiday to this movie. So yeah, that's kind of what kind of comes. Yeah, to mind. yeah, I think so. Yeah, we've definitely got that kind of. Yeah, this I think this is definitely the most of any of these movies where any of the religious aspects of aspects of Christmas comes in. But it's it, yeah, it's really important in this one. But um, but yeah, and then just kind of that idea of taking this this time that's supposed to be happy and and just <laughs> messing it up completely. And I do think we kind of get that plot wise, like we're like we've talked a lot about how dumb Richard Armitage is. But I, I do think there's this kind of like with him, there's this kind of blind optimism that's like this is the first Christmas. It's Christmas. after their mom died. Yeah, everyone's going to come together at Christmas time. I know things have been tough, but this is when it's all going to be better. And it's like, no, she's, it's, it's the opposite. She's going to be your stepmom, guys. Yeah. Let's. What's the best time to start the stepmom stuff? Christmas. Come on, Richard Armitage. Shout out Richard Armitage, my my Wolverine. <laughs> you ever listen to that podcast? It's really good. I did listen. I listened to part of the season one when he's. Uh, it was a. That was. On actually, funny enough, that was my train ride uh, oh, back yeah. home during COVID, and it's a that's a very compelling. It's a podcast. For people mm-hmm. don't know, it's a podcast. Wolverine, and the way it's done is so amazing. I actually need to finish it. I think it was just one where like I had a long train ride and was listed like half the season, and for some reason never went back to it. I don't know why. Um, but great cast, the sound design's amazing, um, really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's great in it. All right, so wrapping up, wrapping up holiday horror. I think that's yeah, uh, yeah. Final genre questions with this. So like, so what movies did we not talk about? I guess as a whole, uh, this month that you want to kind of shout out here that you think are worth mentioning. Uh, I mean, we we did talk about Krampus a little bit, and I I do enjoy that one. It's it's a yeah. It's a it's a good time and and it's it's a little bit more as far as like the the holiday horror comedies go it definitely leans into it um a lot more I mean it's it's pretty much a full like comedy cast and it's just kind of watching yeah. a bunch of comedians get killed around Christmas time two I, I there's there's one that I think is interesting kind of in a similar fashion as as like contained Christmas a movie called a uh, and a much lesser known um, uh, horror film called I Trap the Devil that's currently on Hulu um, that uh, it's it's about a man who believes he's trapped the devil in his basement mm-hmm. around Christmas time. Um, that was when I watched during COVID. Um, <laughs> I think it's worth worth checking out. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think the the visuals in that, like the the, it looks gorgeous with the cinematography with the Christmas lights and stuff. I think it's that's beautiful. Uh, it's very creepy. I think within this genre, it's in that more like trying to be an elevated horror and this kind of Christmas genre, like a lot of times slasher genre. Um, one, I don't know how I feel about this. It's it's one I like, I don't love, but I think there is a audience for it. So I think it's worth shouting out is Anna and the Apocalypse. 
mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. like zombie musical horror film. Um, it's what it needs. It needs more. Does that have any Christmas songs in it? It should have more Christmas songs in it. Um, I think it's a very interesting. I think exercise uh, or interesting kind of film. I think, but I think people, if you like kind of the campiness of the genre and the apocalypse, might be for you. Um, so those are the two for me. I gave you one that's really fun for some, and one that's really kind of dark and elevated with with I Trap the Devil. So there you go. Both are streaming. I Trap the Devil's on Hulu, I believe. And the apocalypse is on like Canopy and Tubi and Shutter and Pluto and all those places. And the, whoever made this list has the Legend of Hell House down, which I honestly don't remember it being Christmas in that movie. It is but at I, Christmas. It starts at Christmas. Like I think it starts at Christmas Eve or something like that. Okay. Well, I do really like that movie. So I do. Shout out that one as well. Yeah, one of them to check out that's been was recommended to me. So I guess I'll say it here that I need to see is Rare Exports. Mm, that's I've, a big I've one had that, that one recommended to me several yeah, times. So that's one I gotta see. Uh, that was one I if, if I had seen it, we probably would have tried to do it at some point. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the ones. Um, I think I want to explore a little bit more with this genre because this is one that I didn't know as much about coming in. Um, so yeah. Shout out the VHS cover for Jack Frost 1997. Uh, not <laughs> God, to be that confused. Was in, that was with, in so many video stores. Not that to be confused with Jack Frost 1998. Uh, and when you picked it up and turned it, it was it one turned, of those that would turn changed, scary. Yes. And it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Because I'd be like, oh, Jack Frost with Michael Keaton. And then you'd turn it and it would be like jumping hey. out at you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, those cases were so cool in VHS. Like Another one that I, rem- that I remember that had the same exact effect was the the jtt pinocchio oh yep yep where it was like you, you do it at one point and it's actually it's jtt and the other type it's it's pinocchio the wooden boy yes uh for any of our younger listeners that is jonathan taylor thomas <laughs> from home improvement and another christmas movie i'll be home for christmas i'll be i'll be home for christmas i put that i had a christmas party two weekends ago and i put that one on and like several people my age asked what that was and i was like are you kidding me <laughs> Come on, guys. The movie where Jonathan Taylor Thomas has a Santa costume glued to him and is dropped in the desert. Come on. Come on. Jessica Biel. That movie. Talk about just the peak of that guy's powers. I'll be (laughs) home for Christmas. Like, what could have been with JTT? Like, he was a Nickelodeon, like, Golden Blimp winner, Thomas. Like, early. He was great. Early. Anyway, that's whoever. If you care about JTT, join the fan club. I don't know. Um, okay, and then finally, what did you learn this month, Thomas, about the holiday horror, Christmas horror genre? Well, I think we definitely found some other ways to play with uh, that that people have played with the idea of Christmas movies. We kind of knew coming into it that it was like the aesthetic and just kind of the idea of setting a horror movie at Christmas as a whole. We we learned kind of from our anti-Christmas movie, Christmas adjacent month. Yeah um that that has some power to it is is just yeah. taking a christmas movie and not making everything work out perfectly yeah. um but but yeah getting into it this month and like with the idea of like kids and and specifically kind of the way better watch out played with like the john hughes idea and the way that this one plays with kind of religion um yeah. so people are kind of getting even deeper into what what chris what comes with christmas all the different ideas that come with christmas whether it's children nestled all snug in their beds or or the the religious aspects of christmas or like you guys talked about with gremlins kind of what emotions it brings with it yeah um i I think people holiday horror filmmakers have 
have kind of dug deeper into that toolbox than I gave them credit for. And it's not just kind of lights hanging around and Christmas carolers out front, which I think Black Christmas does best. But um, but I do think we kind of yeah. eased into it with Black Christmas as far as like this is a mo- this is a Christmas movie that is also a horror movie and it is probably yeah. the best at it. But um, but with the rest of the movies, we kind of got deeper into like what else what else does Christmas mean and how can we play with those things and make them yeah. horrifying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in the kids aspect, I wasn't expecting learning until this episode when you started talking and I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. These kind of kids are um, the, the opposite of like what you think mm-hmm. kids God, Christmas is for the kids. Uh, it's supposed to be a happy time for kids for anybody, but for kids, it's like that's where they're most innocent and two movies this month. We talked about how they're the least innocent people, right? Um, in the film, um, there was an- oh, another movie I talked that I, I forgot to mention. That I think it's worth mentioning is uh, uh, "Curse the mm-hmm. Cat People," which I think is set Christmas and, and kind of an early horror, but not. It's very like 1940s. I mentioned that because you said Black Christmas, and that reminded me that Black Christmas is kind of the first traditional Christmas horror as we know it. But "Curse the Cat People" is a very fairy tale like horror film that deals with Christmas. But also the idea of kids playing a massive part in, in that movie. But yeah, I wasn't really expecting that. But also, it's kind of fun to see this past month with... We did kind of four yeah. different movies within this genre with kind of what they explored, um, which I think some, I think we do that a lot of the times, but this felt like the most... Mm-hmm. The biggest variety, where it's the slasher... Dark comedy. It's the creature feature... Dark comedy, horror, the creature feature with gremlins, and then this is religious horror. So I... I, I I, I, I guess, like you said, I, I didn't give it enough credit where I think there is a a wide canvas or a large canvas for the holiday horror genre mm-hmm. or the Christmas horror genre um, that I think is still left yeah. to be kind of explored. I think I think these I think we've had a lot of years of like the slasher yeah. type movies that are the the kind of easy ones but I think yeah, there's a if lot you're, if you're listening and you're like ooh I I really want to make Christmas horror let me just sit, go ahead and say. We don't need a, San- a slasher dressed as Santa. We've got a lot of those. Um, many, many Santa yeah. Slay, Silent Night, Deadly Night, blah, 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 blah. Um, we also pr- are yeah. probably good on Krampus movies. Just looking at this list, there are so many Krampus yeah. movies. And, you know, yeah. we've already got one Gary Busey as a killer uh, gingerbread man. I don't think we need it. I think we're good with the one. Uh, so we'll probably stick with that one. Although I do yeah. like that one. I didn't want to bring it up as a recommendation because it's very bad, but it's it's worth checking out. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at other lists too. It's like right now Christmas horror. I, I'm harkening back to that, but like there's some that like have a little bit of Christmas in them. I think uh, the Dead Zone has a little bit of Christmas in it. Um, Chronos mm-hmm. from Del Toro has a little bit of Christmas in it. If I'm not mistaken, at one point. Not it's not they're not the full movies. So that's why I don't know if I fully count them as a Christmas horror. Um, Night the Hunter has the hmm. tail end of it's at Christmas, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think look at the genre, see what's out there, and try to give something different to it. Is the thing if you're looking to make a Christmas horror film, and I guess find out what is something terrifying to you about Christmas. Is the thing I think a lot of them kind of take that. It's like what's What's the worst thing that can happen around Christmas time? I think a lot of these movies kind of did that in some way. Um, but yeah. All right. I hate that's it, Thomas, on the Christmas horror genre. Um, 
a few kind of things to talk about for coming up. So our Patreon just came out for Love <laughs> Actually. Please go check it out. David, David and I watched it. David, not a big rom-com fan. Uh, originally, he's getting better. He's getting better. So do, go see what he thought, what I thought. Um, I think we're not. We're gonna be off kind of next week because uh, this is our last episode for the main channel. Our plan is to have a Patreon episode at the end of the, for the last week of the year. So please stay tuned for that. Um, and then for January, we're gonna be doing a very interesting um, kind of topic. And that we'll be talking about concert films, which is very, very different mm-hmm. than what we usually do, Thomas. It's like, I don't know how we're going to break <laughs> it down with tropes and, and things like that, but we'll see. There's, I think there's different mm-hmm. types of concert films out there. So the plan right now is we're going to have four episodes. We're still kind of playing that out um, uh, with scheduling with the holidays. It's been kind of difficult. So but expect you're going to get a lot of episodes on the Patreon next month and uh, the full month on the main channel about concert films. And again, if you haven't subscribed to the Patreon, please go do that. Um, it's currently $1, uh, $5, $10 to be a subscriber. Uh, you'll get our newsletters, uh, our extra episodes, um, early announcements for our, our coming months. So please do that if you can. We have a lot of people signing up for it right now. And thank you so much for doing that. That kind of helps keep the show going uh, in our new form, in our current format. And it just helps us out a little bit as we make this show in our free time. So please continue that if you can. If you haven't signed up, please do so. That helps out a lot. But that's what we have in this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at CineNationPodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, anything you want to say say to us. If it's mean, I don't know. Do whatever. Um, but if you're a new listener of the show or if you're a fan of the show and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do so to stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Hey guys, guess what? If you've committed the sin of loving our <laughs> podcast and not telling anyone about it, it's really easy to repent. You just gotta just gotta write a little review on on Apple Podcasts, and that's it. Don't you yeah. don't need to you don't need to go crazy worrying about it. Just just write it and hit send, just, and you, then you're good. It. And bam, we see it, we read it, it mm. and we. Everybody's feel, happy for Christmas. It's yeah, and a happy new year is the thing. Um, and finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and TikTok. You can also contact us there. And if some people have been reaching out to us on Instagram, feel free to just message us, tell us you're loving the show. We just want to hear from our listeners and how you find out about us too. That's another big thing. Um, but yeah, but Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Have a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Bye.